0: Hey, Sam.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I am well. I'm excited to dive in with you today.
1: Oh, good. Can't wait.
0: You were surprised that we got you onto this podcast,
1: eh? I was actually. I was like, I oh, don't know what I can bring, but sure, I'll come on there. Oh, come on.
0: You can you can bring a lot of value. How How's the market in Tasmania? I don't know much about Tasmania, but I do know a lot of people are migrating there. So what's happening?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of people are... Buyers are getting their confidence back now. I think for a month or so, people were a little bit worried. Where now it's back. A lot of people are still wanting to move here. So, predominantly, I'm dealing with you know retirees coming from inner Sydney. Sydney is by pretty much all my clients moving to the coast of Tasmania. So that's ideally what I'm dealing with at the moment. My investors have dropped off, but they're still there, but not as strong as what it was probably six to 12 months ago.
0: So interesting, right? Because I mean, we were having a chat offline before we started this episode. And what I'm noticing across Australia is a lot of people who are very focused on Owner Rock are now doing investment like primarily. And it seems like it's fully switched for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's super interesting because I would say 90% of my clients for the first couple of years were investors. And because property management was my background, it was so easy for me to do. Where now I would say 80% are owner-occupier, people moving down here. So whether they're renting it out for a couple of years first or moving straight down here, it is their end goal to get here at some point.
0: Yeah, Tassie's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it is lovely. And I think COVID has really shown people that you know they can work from anywhere and do anything. So for example, I had a couple move here he works in Sydney, but he worked out that he could just fly up once a fortnight for two nights. It's quicker for him to do that. And they can stay here and they have a better life for their kids. Like it's cheaper, living expenses, schooling expenses, all those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. So the market's really it's gone up a lot, would you say, in the last two years?
1: Yes, definitely. I think prices have increased significantly. And yeah, it's a bit of both really, like investors... And also my investors are young couples that will never be able to afford to buy something in the middle of Melbourne or Sydney. Then they've got something behind them. I think it makes them feel like they actually have something. They're not just paying rent but they like that lifestyle of living in an apartment but they'll never be able to afford that $2 million price bracket where here you could get a house on a 700-square-metre block for 700000 Pretty good. Yeah, the pricing. Yeah, I think people don't realise, yeah, the pricing is pretty good, yeah.
0: I remember I spent, I think, 1.8 on a two-bedroom apartment in Sydney at one stage.
1: <laughs> yeah, the prices have definitely gone up. I think people think they could buy. I have people call me all the time, like, we want to spend 200000 Where three years ago, you probably could get a unit for that, where you, you won't get anything under four hundred now, in a nice suburb anyway. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. So you must have pretty thick skin. So you're a property manager for, what, eight years?
1: Yeah, eight years, property management, and I really liked it. I didn't know how I would go going into... Kind of the sales role where it's not you don't have your clients for a consistent point of time. It's very like a quick turnover. But um no, I love it. Never look back, but I did enjoy property management. I think you either love it or you don't.
0: We ran we had a property management division at my former company, Conhan, like a lot we had a large rent role and I remember a lot of my meetings with our head of PM and it's just dealing with a lot of problems. You guys I really admired the role of, of PMs and just people within those units because, you know, you you are troubleshooting issues, you are Making tenants happy, landlords happy, and like there's a lot going on, isn't there?
1: Yeah, you're pretty much the middle person, and I think sometimes it's a very thankless job. I think people don't realise how much you put into it unless you make this unseen scene to those clients they only come to you if there's a problem. They don't see how you've troubleshooted and haven't told them. I think you know they're paying you for a service, so you don't need to bother them unless it's there's a real big problem. So I guess sometimes, you know, they feel like they only heard from you if something was wrong. So in this industry, people just love me all the time. It's very <laughs> different, yeah.
0: What's the average management fee in Tasmania?
1: About 10% plus GST.
0: Wow, that's huge.
1: I know, it is. And I think if you calculated what they are paying per week, though, so you approximate like average rent, if you compare that to something in Sydney, they're probably paying the same amount for a service. But the actual 10% seems like a lot compared to other states.
0: I understand. Yeah, your rents are a lot lower. So it evens out.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: That's interesting. Cool. So, what prompted you to dive into the BA space? Because obviously, as a property manager, sales skills, unless you're in BDM, like the sales skills aren't that important. um, Were you nervous moving into a sales focus role?
1: I think I probably did it a very gentle way. So, I was approached by someone that had the business before me. Tinkered along with it, worked on it as like a little side hustle and he wanted to get back into sales. So he was looking to get rid of it. So at the time, a friend and I did purchase the business together and we kind of did it on the side. So it wasn't too scary because I still had that full-time job to fall back on. But I think having some form of real estate background and those connections really did help me a lot. And then after 12 months, I just realized that I think this is what I wanted to do full time and really have a good go at it. So I bought my partner out at the time and did it full time. So I've been doing it full time for a bit over 12 months now. But I think the way I did it allowed me to not be too scared because I still had something else there going on.
0: That makes sense. But I mean, you would have bought your partner out at a good time.
1: Yeah, a good time. Yes, I was very fortunate. So we bought it started COVID. So it took a little while to get going. But then, yeah, when I bought it, it just really took off. I think probably because I was putting more time into it as well. That, yeah, I was very fortunate to have a really good first 12 months.
0: That's unreal. When did you join BAI? I forget.
1: I think I joined at the end of last year. I feel like I'd been doing it a couple of months on my own. And then I joined
0: Okay. So you haven't been that long. Cool. Nice. So when you said earlier about the people who are moving from Sydney to Tassie, right? My question is, are they going there first on like a holiday and then going, hey, we love this place. Let's live here. Or are they going there thinking, we may want to live here and then they visit and then they go, yes. Like what's that journey look like typically?
1: Yeah. So for most of them, they've come down for you know one or some people might be just one visit and they've fallen in love with the place or you know they've come down every year for the last 10 years and so they've decided that they want to retire down here and yeah so that's predominantly how they work it so i don't i never have anyone that hasn't come here like or hasn't doesn't know the area they want to buy in they normally go home and then think about it or they call me when they're here and then we work together from there but yeah it's mostly retirees or they're about to retire, and they come here and they want like at least an acre near the water is really what I deal with, yeah. That's beautiful. It seems like that's what they all want, yeah.
0: So a lot of the people, that their requirements are land primarily?
1: Yeah, so they want at least an acre, probably no more than two.
0: Yeah, nice, okay.
1: Which is a lot. And they, some of them are coming from an apartment. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness.
0: It's a big move, I think, like moving from, for example, like the city of Sydney to tassie onto like you know an acre or two
1: yeah and i've always say to them like have you come in like the middle of june or july because it, it does get quite cold here and the days are really short so you know when daylight savings it gets dark you're at five and it is you know you wake up to a thick frost like it, i think that would be the most miserable time to be here so you'd probably want to test that out so a lot of them do come in winter so like if we can deal with this we can you know cope With the rest, yeah,
0: yeah, nice. Are you doing property management for your investor clients?
1: No, I just refer. Actually, I just decided to focus on this for quite some time. I feel like once you start dabbling in that again, it does take up a lot of time. I needed a break.
0: (laughs) I'm sure. Do you do you think you'll get into it down the track or?
1: No, it's not in. Not at this stage. No, I'm very fortunate that I worked in industry for so long that I can refer to people that. I would happily have managed my properties and I know that they're being taken care of. And we've got such a smooth transition from me to them that it's really nice for my clients, just an extra like service that we've added in for them.
0: Yeah, nice. What's the local market like in respect to appreciating the value of buyers agents? Do you feel like locals are starting to warm up to it or is it mainly just you're dealing with interstate, et cetera?
1: Yeah. So it's still a lot of interstate. I probably do with one local client a month, which is better than I have had in the past. So it's really nice. Some agents are still like a bit funny about it, but the agents that I deal with a lot refer to me a lot now. So they can see the benefit of what I bring to them as well as the clients, which is really nice because they, if they have a client that keeps missing out, they'll be like, you need to speak to Sam. And they'll call me and they're like, they just don't know what they're doing, you need to help them. So I'll just guide them with the process. Because our, you know, I guess every state has its own legislation and our state is very hard to, I think, understand unless you've done your research or in the market, because we don't have auctions. You know, there's not a lot of negotiating that happens. So if there's more than one offer presented to the vendor, you know, the client has to sign something to say, this is their best and final offer because the vendor may not come back to them. So there's no negotiating. So they kind of have to go in with their best offer, but where a lot of people think they'll come back to them, but they won't a lot of the time.
0: What are your thoughts on that, on that process, like compared to other states that you are aware of?
1: I think it's very difficult. I think that's where they get good pricing, especially with, you know, when we're going through like our boom. People were just desperate, so they were going ridiculously high to hope to get something. I feel like there could be a lot more transparency.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I've never bought there myself, but I'm just thinking, like, do you think if there was more transparency with, and the process was slightly different, they could get actually higher prices?
1: Possibly, they could probably get more out of their clients or out of the buyers, definitely. Because I know my clients, even though how much I can sometimes explain it to them, I think sometimes I don't actually understand that like, they're not going to come back to us. And I had a client miss out last week on something. And she's like, oh, but we could have gone higher. And I was like, yeah, but this is like, that was it. We've got no other opportunity now. So I think sometimes, yeah, they could get more out of the client, definitely.
0: When you explain the process, let's say to a Sydney buyer who's used to a completely different negotiation journey, well, how do they feel about it?
1: I think they'll be all a bit in shock. That's how it's done. But I think it also helps me be able to sell my service to how I can help them because I think that's where they need the help the most. And because you don't get a lot of protection here as a buyer either, they call us a buyer's beware state because vendors don't have to provide any council documents, nothing. You don't get anything. So you can add in clauses but then you know, it does weaken your offer a lot.
0: Yeah, I definitely see a lot of value. And obviously, if you've got like that reputation of the, you know, buyers beware, you've got to really know what you're doing, I guess, when you're entering into that territory as a buyer.
1: Well, yeah, I guess if a house had an, an extension and it never went through council, there's no way they can find out about that. And agents will tell them that's just the way it is, but it's not really like you can add in things to get that information if you need to be. But of course, agents just want the quickest, you know, go on conditional as quickly as possible.
0: Yep, after the quick buck. So, looking at Tassie, like how many buyer's agents are there?
1: I don't really know. Like, I know there's like two, maybe two in Hobart that I'm aware of. I know people have mentioned that there's people doing it, but like I can never find that I don't have websites or not on social media. So, I think they might just do it as like a little side thing. But uh, I'm in the north of the state. So, I, I know it's just me here that I'm aware of. But yeah, I know there's, I know at least two women in Hobart. So, not many great for you yeah it's good for me and i think yeah and with my the name that we have it does really help with google searches and things like that
0: yeah your website looks awesome really i really it's really elegant really nice like yeah i think it's got a really good feel to it
1: thank you i try and sell a thing that i try and do is try and sell like tassie as a place so that's what i do on my social media different places you can go and do and all that kind of thing
0: yeah, it's smart. Expanding on what I just said, I guess your brand looks really nice, and I think visually, it, yeah, it looks aesthetically, it's great. So well done. So going back to what you said earlier about real estate agents, right? I know what it's like when I started in Sydney and when I moved into Brisbane and some diff- you know, even Melbourne, where there was a lot of agent resistance. It's like they thought, like firstly, they think they own all the buyers for some reason, and then secondly, they sometimes initially they see us as a threat when we get going. And it takes them a while to warm up, and some don't warm up. Like, what's your experience been overall in Tassie?
1: Some are okay. I think in Launceston, I'm very lucky that I had worked in the industry for quite some time. So I do know a few agents. So I think, but in other areas, like if I have to go somewhere else for a client, it is can be difficult. And they're like, so do we pay you? And I was like, no, you don't. they can be a bit standoffish and I think they try to make the outcome more difficult than it needs to be I think sometimes I need to realize that I'm here we both want the same outcome at the end of the day so we just we just need to work together but yes there is a lot of resistance definitely
0: yeah and have you had any clients who have relocated to Tassie bought their property through you and then obviously, not to do with you in terms of the purchase, but have you heard that they've regretted moving?
1: No, not yet. <laughs> I haven't heard anything. I think it'd be different if they were moving here and hadn't been here before. But no, no one that I'm aware of. Well, I haven't seen a purchase that I've done that has gone back on the market yet.
0: <laughs> no, the, re- the reason I was asking is because we bought an investment in Byron recently and when we're going through that process, because I'm from Sydney originally, so like not used to big land, mm-hmm. um, like we got two and a half hectares, which is a lot. But what I was hearing from the agents constantly in Byron was so many people from Sydney and Melbourne especially had gone to Byron, moved from like that apartment or that small terrace or whatever, or even house that's not even, and bought all this land. And then it's on the market again, 12 months later, because they, A, they can't maintain it. B, it's just like, they just made the wrong choice.
1: Yeah. 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 I think sometimes I do see, like I'm in a couple of Facebook groups of people like moving here. I do see that they buy in these areas and, they're, and they've never been here before and they're very isolated. And that concerns me for them because I think Tassie's pretty small anyway, but there are sections that is quite isolated. You're like three hour drive from the next town kind of thing. So I do worry that they're not going to like it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've been to Tassie once. It's, it's, it's aesthetically so beautiful.
1: Yes, it is lovely. And I think it's just getting more and more popular, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And so do you you see that trend continuing, like people moving from, you know, Sydney, Melbourne or wherever post-COVID over the next, you know, two, three, four, five years?
1: I think so. Like it's not even just, you know, I say like older people moving down to retire. You know, I've got people that are young, got young families that financially, they're just like, we can get a house on a block. You know, our kids can go to a really good school, and they don't have the price tag of what they would have in in Melbourne or Sydney. So I think it's nice that younger people are coming down here and it's kind of changing the outlook. I think people used to look down on Tasmania really, but now I think it's really changed in probably the last four years.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of these places that were just holiday destinations or coastal places or even regional that was like a treat to go to on a holiday is now becoming more of the norm because people due to their, you know, work situations are able to now, you know, relocate. I think it's just becoming more acceptable now for people to live outside of a city.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think when a lot of people were in lockdown in COVID, we had two years and we just lived normally. Like we didn't really understand the depth of what was happening everywhere else because we just shut our borders and no one could come in. And we all just lived a very normal life. So I think that just shows people we're very fortunate here.
0: Yeah, you guys, it seemed like you move through it very, very, very smoothly. What happens in respect to off market properties? Is there a lot of off markets going on, a lot of pre markets? Like, how, how's it working in regards to stock levels there?
1: yeah so it's definitely becoming more of an opportunity. I think when I was saying before when things were going to like a multiple offer, agents didn't really were pricing things you know and then they were going ridiculous amount higher, so they would say to their client, you know we should put on the market because you might get more than what it they're happy to pay you off market and Mind you, agents couldn't get, were struggling to get listings. So they wanted to show their competitors that they were getting listings. So it was really hard to get things off market for like the last 12 months. Where now, more often than not, probably 60% of my stuff's off market. We don't really have pre market, like they might have it on their books or something like that, but it's more either off market or it's on realestate.com.
0: Are you guys noticing any post-market stock like with with the market correction and rates going up, are you noticing things are just not selling?
1: They're really not selling if agents haven't priced them correctly because I think a lot of people have this mentality because it's been like it for two years that they have to go in 50K, 100K of the asking. They don't even think because how agents market here, it's the best offer over say 599. So people have this mentality that they have to offer that best offer over where the agents have priced it too high, it will just sit there because people are like, oh, I can't afford that. They don't even consider approaching them and offering them under the asking. So unless it's priced right, they are sitting around. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems like it's quite standard in other places that I see where if they're not the vendor or an agent aren't meeting the market, then it's just yeah, not selling.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing at the moment is vendor expectation, especially if they still think, you know, we're in this Time where prices are really high. I think they've got higher expectations than what what it's probably going to sell for, which can be really hard if they haven't had the right education by the by the agent.
0: Yeah, I think it's a hard pill to swallow. Like if you if you own a home that you know you could have let's say got one and a half last year, and, and now you're looking at like one point one. I think some vendors are just finding it hard to acknowledge and accept that.
1: Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And you yeah, know, average days on market for us used to be no more than seven days, where now it's probably like three to six weeks. So then my buyers are like, well, there's obviously something wrong with it if it's sitting there. I was like, no, it's just because people have more time to think about it. They don't need to rush in.
0: What's roughly the average time it takes you, like when you sign on a new client until you guys exchange?
1: Depending. Investors can be a bit more quicker if I can find, get them a good return. So we might have an offering within a couple of weeks. Usual settlement times are about Thirty days. Owner Ock might be a little bit longer. Might be up to like three weeks before we find something for them. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Cool.
0: Well, I've really enjoyed this chat. It's great to see you taking the reins in Tassie, and it just seems like this—the market just. I guess it's not only becoming more receptive to BAs, but just seems like a new place where so many people from interstate are going to start, obviously, you know, transitioning like they are now, and you're going to be capitalising on that. I think, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. No, it's a very exciting time. I think I definitely got in at at the right time. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it feels like, you know, when I started in Sydney in 09, like we weren't the first. There was there was a few people that were already established, but you know, you know, it's it's nice getting in there on the ground early and riding out that blue ocean. It's it's really special like it really sets you up for the future. So I'm sure you're just going to keep going from strength to strength.
1: Wow. Thank you.
0: So where can people find you?
1: My website is buyersagentstasmania.com.au and it's the same for Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, just Tasmania.